Welcome to Be the Scandal, the sacred rebellion of being your most authentic self. I'm your host, Danny Hickman. If you've been enjoying this podcast, I invite you to take a moment to rate my podcast and click subscribe. This helps people learn about Be the Scandal and gives them the opportunity to join this journey of radical self love. Now, let's jump into the episode. I'm excited to share with you this podcast episode with my friend and fellow psychotherapist, Amy Gartenberg. You might remember Amy from one of my earlier podcast episodes when Be the Scandal first started. I'm starting to open up my podcast again for guest interviews and was more than ready to have this conversation with Amy about being a sacred rule breaker. In the episode, Amy and I cover a lot of ground, discussing what exactly makes a sacred rule breaker, the importance of questioning your learned and inherited ideas of who you are and who you should be, and the liberation that can happen when you learn to live in the questions while being open to expanding into your most authentic self. We're talking family dynamics, doing our best to create a sense of belonging, and giving ourselves permission to no longer try to uphold the expectations of others. Like I mentioned, we cover a lot of ground in this episode, and I don't want you to wait any longer to hear it, so let's jump in. I'm excited today in this podcast episode to welcome my friend Amy, fellow psychotherapist and coach, and you are actually my first repeat guest on the podcast, so I'm extra excited for this conversation we have today. So I'm going to give you a moment to introduce yourself, Amy, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing in the world. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited to be back as well, Um, and I always (laughs) love speaking with you, so this is so fun. Um, But yes, I'm a psychotherapist based in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I also have a coaching practice that serves people around the U.S., and I work mostly with people wanting to break rules, ditch the shoulds of life, and live a life that actually feels authentically theirs. Just as you're saying this, and I know we even spoke about this before hitting record, I just feel the energy vibrating through my body, just of that offering and the energy of being that sacred rule breaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I feel it too. And what's really cool, I think even about being a repeat guest is the first time I was on, my coaching was leaned more towards body peace and helping people find food freedom. And Mm -hmm. I had to break my own rules there, even of like, you know what, I want to expand my offering beyond that. I want it to be beyond food and body. And Mm -hmm. I ran into like my own resistance around that of, oh, I can't pivot that quickly. And what is that going to look like? And all those sorts of things. And yeah, it's just a great example of in the moment, like, look, I I broke the rules even (laughs) of, you know, my own title and I'm here and I'm really happy that I've expanded into this new place. I personally believe that as psychotherapy professionals, as we are, that of course we have a lot of learned wisdom, right? Like things that we got from books and mentors and classes and continuing the education that we've had. But some of my biggest truths and my deepest wisdom comes from my lived experience. So I think just what you shared is really speaking to why we're having this conversation today and why you're the expert we need to talk to about being a sacred rule breaker. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start with this question. What is your definition of a sacred rule breaker? What does that mean for you? I think to me, a sacred rule breaker is someone that's willing 
to question everything and willing mm. to question and look at all aspects of their life and really start to deconstruct if that was something that was built for them or if that was built for other people or if that was built for a part that was trying to protect them, you know, mm-hmm. and what I love so much about this work is that aspect of like, we can look at everything and we might have to look at things multiple times, right? Like that's what it means to live in alignment is to let things flow. And sometimes um, you're going to break a rule and that's going to feel really good for a while, this new space that you're in. And then you're going to feel that same nudge to look at that all over again. So to me, mm-hmm. a sacred rule breaker is someone that's always willing to live in the questions. I just want to let that last sentence land for a moment, to live in the questions. And the, the word for me that comes up with that is to have curiosity, you know, and that's the energy that you're talking about is to be open and to be curious in this process. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's living in the curiosity and allowing things to flow. It's like, I think we so often, and I'm like the queen of this for a big chunk of my life is like, I want to know what I am and have that title. And like, this is what it is. Right. And, and thinking that there's going to be safety in that like safety Mm -hmm. in planting yourself in some kind of title or knowing, and maybe, maybe for some time there's going to be safety, but when we try to hold on to that past its expiration date, that's not healthy or doesn't feel good or any of those things. Yeah. I mean, when you're saying that, what comes up for me is the safety and the comfortability that we find in the known, even if that known doesn't fit us or doesn't fit us anymore. Or you've already mentioned that that known was handed down to us. and It's not even ours in the first place. It's really easy to stay in that comfortability and not know how to move forward with courage and curiosity into that unknown space of, wait, who am I? And do I actually want to be these things or do these things that I've been doing for quite some time? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I love what you said there about courage, that it does. It takes an immense amount of courage. What I'm thinking of is like when you're talking about being a sacred rule breaker, what we're actually doing, of course, like you already named, is looking at the truth of this no longer fits, right? So we have to sit in those deep truths, which could bring up some emotional pain and sit in the emotional pain and distress that comes from choosing to move through the world differently. And that's a lot for us to hold. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. When you when you said that, I just, I really felt it hit me for sure, just of like, gosh, I'm going to try my best to articulate this, but this feeling of, I want to know like who I am. I want to know the things like this is the label that suits me. Right. And I think for a big chunk of my life, that was a big craving that I had. I just want to know my place. I want to have a place I can land and, um, and a title and all these things. What's interesting though, is like my innate nature is like, a snake always shedding its skin. Like my innate nature is like constantly be um, questioning and evolving and letting things go and finding new things and being curious. And it's like that shadow part, right? Like got really out of balance of no, like this structure and it has to be this. And the only way you're ever going to be happy is if you land in one place rather than 
letting my innate nature flow of you can, you can transform as many times as you want to transform. Like it's a rule to think that you can't. And if anything in my work, like I, I hope that I give people permission to evolve as many times as they want to evolve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a couple questions coming up for me and they're kind of personal questions. So of course, go as deep as you feel comfortable. But one of the first questions, just based on what you just said was, okay, you know now, which I'm sure has been a journey to get there, that you are, what came up was a wild girl, <laughs> you know, and shedding her skin and the freedom, um, but going yeah. with you, what you said, right? Like of being the snake, shedding your skin, um, morphing and evolving. That's your nature. Like that's who you are. That's your authentic self. But for so long, you were really grasping at the titles, right? And at that structure that it sounds like kept you small. And I'm curious, why do you think that was? Like, if you were reflecting on your life, like, why do you think parts of you were really grasping on these other identities that actually weren't who you are at all? Oh, I love that question. I mean, I think it always comes back to wanting to feel a sense of belongingness and connectedness. I think as human beings, that's in our DNA. Like that's how we thrive. And I think <laughs> kids are incredibly intuitive and pick up on what they see as this is how to belong. This is how to feel connected. And um, yeah. And I think, right. Like I love that image too of a wild child. And when I talk about like kind of my history and what led me to getting really lost and then getting found all over again was when I was a kid, I was like so wild. Like my parents say they used to like have to hide um, pizza boxes, like use pizza boxes because I would make art out of it. And like, I was always just like, mm. always had skin knees, like was always outside. And I think something happens for kids, like especially around that middle school time when it's like you're observing, right? Of like, what is going to give me that sense of belonging? And for me, I think it felt really safe to replicate that and to abandon a lot of that wild nature. Um, and that continued for a really long time because it mm-hmm. is, it's a very um, wise defense mechanism, you know, and it works for a long time until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I say that a lot. Like, yeah, these things work till they don't. <laughs> and that moment of discord when it's no longer working to be this version of you that isn't who you actually are, that is for me, at least I'll speak for myself, like that was steeped in so much emotional pain, physical pain, like physical health stuff. I mean, our systems communicate to us when they're like, no more, no longer. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Like, I mean, that's exactly what happened to me is I was, I was in a partnership for a really long time, denying all sorts of parts of myself and like denying my curiosity about my sexuality, like denying I mean, all sorts of parts of my identity. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until like we were getting ready to be engaged. Like I knew that partner had bought a ring and I had a full-blown panic attack, you know, and it was, I had never had a panic attack in my life. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was truly what you're describing is like, you can try to ignore something for a long time, but it's going to catch up with you. Like it's going to, your system is too wise and it's, it can come out in all sorts of ways. You know, it's interesting. I don't think I've ever shared this with you. It's I had 
a similar moment in time in a partnership I was in, my first panic attack ever. And it was that moment of, I have to get out of here. And I remember that feeling of like, oh, I can't breathe. I'm suffocating. And so it's just so interesting that both of our systems sounded our alarms in similar ways. And I like to think of it as like your intuition yelling wrong way. If you're not going to listen to all these other signals I'm sending you and you're going to keep pushing it down, I'm going to get really loud. And that's at least how I viewed it in my life. And it sounds like both our systems were like really yelling at us saying, do something different here. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Oh, I love knowing that about your story. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to giggle. It's like, oh, like we're connecting on our um, shared panic. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, or just like, like our shared way that our bodies communicated with us. And we're like, mm, yeah, exactly. I love how you said that. I think that's how I interpret it now is my intuition being like wrong way, you know, and I'm grateful about that for so many reasons, but it also... I think sometimes it's really hard for people to discern between fear and intuition, Mm -hmm. right? And like, I think a lot of the stuff that was going on for me at that time before I had that panic attack was this feeling of, is this intuition like saying, no, this isn't for me? Or is this fear saying, um, you're just really scared. You're scared to commit, right? And it was Mm -hmm. really hard for me to discern between those voices. And one of the things I'm so grateful about what that experience gave me is like, I really like that, that has helped me discern so much better in my life, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know what I felt then. I know what I felt. And now my partner that I have now, right? Like when, when we get in a fight or like whatever, there's stuff going on in our relationship. I do not have that feeling of like, I need, I need to get out of here. This isn't right. Right. Like I'm able to discern so much more clearly of like, this is an opportunity to lean in, lean in, to like work on my attachment, to strengthen our bond. And it feels so vastly different than when my body was trying to yell at me. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've gotten to know the communications within your body And because of that, you've been able to really discern, it's like the game, right? Fear or intuition, attachment issues Mm -hmm. or intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be really hard to do. And so I'm curious, is there anything or any tips that have been helpful for you to learn how to do that? I mean, it sounds like that experience showed you a lot um, in that previous relationship. And I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. any tips you have? Yeah, I love this question. And it's amazing people like, always know the answer to it, but asking yourself, if I trusted myself, what would I do? And it's Mm. so, yeah, I know. Like just feel into the energy of that. (laughs) It's like just slap me across the face. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like if I trusted myself, what would I do? And I can't tell you how many times I've asked that to people. Like if you trusted yourself, what do you think you would do? And they're immediately like, well, if I trust myself, I know what I would do, but I don't trust myself. And it's like immediately having that knowing of what they would do, but then denying it. And I think that is a really good tool in in discerning, right? You're going to get that. Mm. If you ask yourself, you're going to get an answer really, really clearly. And then it's a matter of trusting it and trusting yourself. 
Yeah. Well, and it kind of seems like just bouncing off what you're saying that that is the space that takes someone from denial, right? Or I'm not going to look at this. I don't want to be present in the truth to moving forward in the energy of being that sacred rebel and that sacred rule breaker. Because once we have the truth, right? And we're present in the truth of what is, we can't go back from the truth. We know it now, right? It's in our conscious awareness. And so what we need to do is support ourselves in moving forward, knowing that truth in that emotional distress. That's probably the reason why we haven't trusted ourselves or like haven't made that decision to move forward in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, once you know it, you can't really unknow it. And um, yeah. another way to phrase that question that can sometimes be helpful, what do I wish someone would give me permission to do? And that can be really mm-hmm. supportive too. I love that. And with that question too, what I'm thinking of is like, we know you and I know that at the end of the day, it's us giving ourselves permission, right? Of like, I can do that thing. But just even the phrasing of that question, I think accesses the energy of our inner child that is still waiting for someone external to give us the permission to do that thing and let it be okay to be who we are, whether that's, I want to be single. I don't want to be a therapist anymore. I want to be a coach or, you know, I want to move abroad or whatever the thing is. I think sometimes we're not breaking the quote rules set forth because we're, we don't know how to give ourselves that permission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of this work is is the inner child work, is that part's work to determine the way I phrase it is like, who's driving the bus, right? And like, we want that self energy, that like adult, calm, connected energy Mm -hmm. driving the bus. But oftentimes it's a part that is just really protective and has been protecting us for a long time. And Mm -hmm. she's been driving the bus, right? And so it's like, she's not about to give permission, but she's also Mm -hmm. a kid. And so I think a lot of the deeper work there of giving yourself permission is getting to know that that part that has in the past been driving the bus, so to speak, right? And spending time with her and understanding what she's so afraid of. Mm -hmm. For me, and I'm curious what this looks like for you, but for me, if I just had to generalize and name that part quickly, it's like the good girl in me. It's the good preacher's daughter. It is the one that has upheld her father's reputation in the church and the same time like upholding hers. And she has done what she's needed to do in order to hold both. And she's just trying to be a good girl. She's trying to be liked. She's trying to do the quote right thing. And I really had to support her in giving her permission to be herself and it doesn't make her bad. And so that's what comes up for me whenever you're speaking to who is driving the bus. It's like, oh man, my good girl, most of my life has been driving my bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think right now, like, it's so funny you say that. It's so perfect. I think on my coaching page right now, like the first thing is like, you've, all, you've always been the good girl. And that's what it says, yeah. right? And that's like that's what it is. Or like maybe to say your good girl's always been driving the bus, but that's mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is because that person knows the rules of how to have a sense of connectedness and belonging really well. Like she's learned those rules. The only problem is that it's it's like I almost think about the roots of that connection and that belonging. They only go down so far, you know. Right. If we let 
like our authentic self really come forward, that adult caring self, we have the capacity to allow those roots to go down further. And we're so afraid of losing that connection and that belonging that we stay kind of at that surface level where in reality, the more we align to a life that feels true to us, the connections we form are going to be even deeper. We're going to be so known by the people we choose to have in our lives. Yeah. This is re- was really annoying when my therapist offered me this, but when we had a conversation about being moving through the world more authentically, she essentially said to me, well, Danny, it sounds like you're really holding on to relationships that are inauthentic anyway. They don't actually know who you are. So you can't lose anything if you show who you are and they don't like you because they didn't know you to begin with. Like you're holding on to things that are inauthentic. So that I feel like really speaks to what you're talking about, like deepening those roots and actually giving yourself the chance to be known by you and those people you're in relationship to know you too. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like it's a knowing of yourself, that relationship, you and yourself. I mean, what a gift if that is deep and knowing, right? And then once once that's kind of the foundation, the people we choose to have in our lives are just a reflection and an extension of that. Um, And we choose people that have a greater knowing of themselves who encourage our transitions and our like shedding of the skin, right? They want that for us as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the visual that's coming up is I, gosh, this was maybe March, 2021. So about a year ago, I saw a shaman and she was talking about me shedding skin. And she was like, Danny, once you shed that skin, stop going back to the old skin and picking at it and trying to put it back on. It doesn't fit you anymore. you know. And that visual just popped up. I hadn't thought about that in quite a while, but some of us, we do that, right? Like we're shedding, we're expanding and growing. And because certain things happen that we feel unsafe or like uncomfortable, we're going back to some of these old patterns or old programs being like, can you just fit me? I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I wish I just didn't know this or things were easier when, you know, and in reality they weren't right. Like I was inauthentic. I I was living a life that was completely out of alignment, but I think I just want to normalize that feeling of like, I want to go back over here when everything seemed hunky dory on the surface. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I, I hear that so often. I've experienced that. And I I think as humans also, there's like some kind of survival instinct or something to look at stuff through rose-colored glasses. I really do. I don't like, I'm not a very, I don't know. I don't know the research on that or like great science on that as a human species. But I do think that there is something about the way we look back on things, choosing to remember all the really good parts of that. And it, so yeah, when we look back on old versions of ourselves, of course, there's that, maybe that yearning for things that are real or imagined. But regardless, it's like, I like to think about all those past selves as just um, younger parts. You know, there are, there are times when I think about that younger part of me that was living in LA and like, right, like almost engaged to this person and there are times when I'm, I feel exactly what you're feeling of like, oh, like that was so wonderful. Like I miss always living in the sunshine or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I can love on her. I, like, I, I almost imagine that she's within me still, you know, just like maybe, yeah, like there's the shedding of the skin, but it's also like those, those past versions live within you as well. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, of course this is quick and just bouncing in our conversation, but I'm thinking for me, when I've looked back on past versions, I'm like, oh, wasn't that nice? It's usually in moments of emotional pain. So I think it's my brain's way of trying to pull me from the pain of like, uh, hey, you could go back to that and then you won't feel this. You know, and it's, of course, like you said, it's a part of me. That's not actually true. I was dying on the inside. You know, the outside mm-hmm. might have looked like good, but on the inside, mm-hmm. I was slowly dying. And so I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what my brain has done is like, hey, remember that? But it's not actually the truth, the full truth, right. I would say. Right. Yeah. It can be really helpful. Like I've always been a journaler. So sometimes it is helpful to go back and look at that stuff you know, and be like, ooh, yeah, like that was really bad. Or just to think, look how far I've come and to celebrate mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. I really love – like and I've done this intentionally, especially in the past like year or so when my professional identity has kind of been shifting and changing. But I've really tried to drop into visualization and connect – with these parts of me and thanking them for, you know, the work that they've done, the knowledge that they've gained, the wisdom and like all of these things. So I can just honor this experience and honor them and really use that as like what you're saying, that integration piece and acknowledgement that they're there. They're still there. I'm yeah. Shifting and changing and being someone different now, but they're still a part of me. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're still a part of me. The other thing is like, sometimes I think about that younger version of me, right? That was in so much pain at that time and so confused and trying to discern between fear and intuition. And I think about if she could meet the version that I am now, like if I showed up and was like, look, if you listen to yourself, (laughs) like you, like, this is what's going to happen. You're going to love it. Right. Like you get to be, you get to be me. Like, you know, like, um, right. Like I think in a heartbeat, she would make that choice. And that can feel really honoring of that past version. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about one of the biggest obstacles to self-love, your inner critic. We all know what it's like to feel overpowered and overwhelmed by this part of us. You know that part of you that likes to be critical and whispers things to you like you're not good enough, you're a failure, and reminds you of all the things that you've done wrong. Learning how to manage this negative inner dialogue is vital in the journey to radical self-love. So if you're looking for support in taming your own inner critic, I invite you to download my free offering, Sacred Compassion. In my work as a psychotherapist, I found compassion to be the antidote to that pesky inner critic and the key to connecting to sustainable self-love. If you're wanting access to this free download, all you need to do is follow the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. One thing that I'm thinking about that came up for me in really preventing me from being my authentic self or moving beyond the limitations of being the good girl was disappointing people around me. And if I'm really being honest, I think it's really disappointing my parents. I think that was really big for me, like for a really long time and long time being 20 some years, I didn't know how to hold 
permission for me to be who I am and also hold the emotions of the people around me and what that would mean for them. So I'm curious, have you had that experience or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I definitely felt that when you said that for sure. Let me just feel into that for a second. I come from a very enmeshed family, you know, where it sounds like maybe you do too. And I think for those of us that come from that sort of family structure, it's easier to get caught up in that. Because what happens so often in enmeshed family structures is that we put the emotions and needs of family members above our own. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, I've absolutely had that experience. And I think that's common for many people that come from really close family systems. I think when I first started doing this work, I was really envious of people that were like these rebellious teenagers. So I was thinking, (laughs) okay, well, like you got it out of the way then, right? Like you disappointed your parents then, you did all that, right? Mm -hmm. But for Mm -hmm. those of us that maybe had a really good relationship with our parents, at least on the outside, right? Or like came from these really, these families that looked really loving and supportive. It can be hard that way because you're not sure how deep the roots of that love and belonging go. And I've been really fortunate that the more I've come into myself, while there is there have been moments of disappointment, perhaps with my family at times, I still feel very supported and loved by them. And I just want to name, I know that's not always the case. And that can layer this work even more, is that when we we do come into our more authentic aligned selves, and we were talking before about those roots, there's going to be people that those roots don't go any further and the relationship kind of breaks or stops at that point. And that can be deeply painful when it's your family. So, Mm -hmm. yes, I encourage... I encourage people to seek out a coach or a therapist to do this type of work, especially if you anticipate that being part of your journey. Yeah. Well, because it's helpful to have someone walking alongside you as you're exploring these things, even if it's just being open to the conversation of, hey, I want to move through the world in this way and I don't know what my mom's going to say or I do know what my mom's going to say. It's not going to be rooted in unconditional love. And sometimes those are those truths that we have to sit with of, ooh, okay, yeah, in my family system, it is built upon conditional love. And I think with that, like, people are the experts on their family, right? You know, and I say that a lot to people, like, I trust you to be the expert on your mom. You know her more than me. And the other side of that, what I like to say is also, this is an opportunity. If we are authentic and saying, hey, this is who I am, it's an opportunity for our mom, our dad, people in our family, people we're close to, to love us unconditionally. And I think that sometimes, sometimes they don't, and we have to grieve that and we have to be present in that emotional pain. And a lot of times, and people that I've worked with and in my own life, I found that, oh, people show up. It might be hard and it might be rocky, but when we give people the opportunity, at least then we'll know, oh, do these roots want to go deeper? Can they go deeper? Does our relationship have the capacity to grow and expand and expand beyond this? Or is it something I need to grieve? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's just really, really well said. Is we have to, I mean, I sh- maybe that's not the language, right? Like, again, you're the expert on your family. You know. Um, so I don't like the language of you have to. But it might be interesting to look at giving 
your family members the opportunity to move into that growth with you or not. And if we choose not to show our authentic selves to them, we're also denying them the opportunity to lean into that. Yeah. And I feel like a similar way that you do, where I feel very blessed and privileged to have right now a mom, for example, that loves me unconditionally as the adult woman that I am. But I will say my whole entire life until my dad died, so this was only within the last two years, I never gave her the chance to love me unconditionally. I was always like hiding parts of me or not fully sharing them. And there were always moments, especially like younger moments as a teenager, she's like, why don't you trust me with this? You know, why why am I always the last to know? She says versions of like, you don't give me enough credit. And it was like when my dad passed away, almost like this liberation of the sacred rule breaker of the sacred rebel where it's like, well, okay, I can breathe in the sense that I no longer have to uphold his reputation and mine. It's just me now. And since then, I've been really giving my mom the opportunity to show up unconditionally. And so I just wanted to speak to that because for so long, I had it in my head that there were so many conditions that she would love me. And of course, it was informed by certain things, but it wasn't true, actually. This belief I had about my mom and our relationship was actually BS because she was able to show me otherwise. That felt in this moment important to name because I think sometimes, especially when we have someone like our parents or someone we've grown up with, we have a lot of childhood experiences with them that have informed our beliefs about them and about ourselves and our relationship that maybe could be challenged and changed in adulthood. Curious your thoughts on that. Oh yeah. Like what came to mind as soon as you were talking about that? Little kids, like if you think about a little kid trying to make meaning about of something that an adult does, right? Like a little kid only has so many resources available to them to make meaning of that. So I name that because it's like, I know even from my own experience, because I've had conversations with my mom about the way I remember things and and the meaning that I took from it and Mm -hmm. her being able to clarify or being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's what you thought about that. Like, I don't even remember that. Right. And Mm -hmm. just to name that as like that, that part of you that is holding on to that belief about your parents and having that sense of belonging or not with them, that is a really young version of you, right? Like maybe itty bitty, like three or four that didn't have a lot of resources available to understand what was happening. Like Mm -hmm. a kid made meaning of that, if -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's just interesting to be open to that conversation. And we have to say, and I know this has been your experience and people you work with too, that sometimes people are gaslighting us and they're like, no, it didn't happen like that when true abuse and things have happened. And so you and I aren't talking about those moments right now in this conversation, but just really the expansion that can come with maybe breaking some rules of saying, Hey, like for me, it was like, Hey mom, I have a podcast. Um, I say a lot of cuss words in it and I know you don't love them. Like I drop the F bomb all the time and this is who I am. So you might not want to listen to it, but I, you know, and she's like, okay, cool. I'm not going to listen to it. I don't understand why you need to talk like that. And I'm like, that's fine. And then the conversation's Uh done. But like, even that was me being this rule breaker of like, Hey, I am a preacher's daughter. Yes, that is part of who I am. And I drop the F-bomb. That's just who I am, period. Both can exist at the same time. 
Yeah. That just felt like a big role, you know, and of course, like my upbringing compared to your upbringing, and we all have our different sacred rebels, like energy of like things that we're doing in our lives that make us sacred rebels and those specific rules that we're breaking because we all have those different rules because depending on where we came from, how we grew up, like this comes to me is like, well, who made these rules? You know, and usually it's a family system, maybe religion, maybe culture and part of our community. But that's just an interesting question, too, of like we're all on our own rebellion. And like, what are those rules that we're wanting to break? Absolutely. I'm glad you named the gaslighting piece because exactly like you are the expert on your family. Like, you know, those dynamics and you and I are talking from a place of privilege where we did not have that experience. But Mm -hmm. having it is very, very real and very valid. And to go off of what you just said, I hope if you take anything from this conversation, you have the permission to question and break any rules that you that feel in alignment to you, right? Like you, you have the permission to live in the questions and not take things as absolutes. Mm, this is maybe a big question, but I'm just curious, like for you, like what were some of those things that or rules that you felt like you broke? I know you kind of alluded to some, but like if we had to really be specific, like what were some of these rules that you've been breaking as a sacred rebel? Oh my gosh. I think like the thing that kind of, like came to mind when we were even talking before is like, I have quit so many jobs, <laughs> like, you know, and I have quit, I just have quit mm-hmm. so many jobs in my life. And um, I think I used to have a lot of shame around that. Um, yeah. And this, right, this narrative of like, Like, oh, I'm just going to be popping around forever. And it's just like my own inability to commit. But when I started like truly working for myself, I was like, oh, that feels so good. And even within my own practice, like the freedom to evolve as a therapist and as a coach, as that feels really good. Yeah. It's just like, who cares? I mean, (laughs) like I say that, like I really cared and like, Right. And like, I'm sure my parents cared, cared that I was quitting so many jobs, but I had this idea of like what I needed to be and what was professional versus what wasn't. And yeah, just lean into trusting yourself. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, I'm going to just label, like really do a generalization, but a lot of millennials Mm -hmm. out there can identify with some of this rule breaking of like, we have to have Mm -hmm. one job and then you work it till you retire and then you die. You know, I mean, that Mm -hmm. sounds terrible to me and a lack of Mm -hmm. growth. Not that you can't grow in one job if there's opportunity to do that. But I really Mm -hmm. think it's like, what is aligned with your values? And for you, like, I mean, speaking for you, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I know one of your values is like freedom, growth, expansion. And Mm -hmm. living by that role, you get one job and that's what you do. That wouldn't align with your values. So of course you want to break that role. You need to. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to to live in alignment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like just because like the magic of the universe, right? Like this is what I was kind of saying of before of like the shedding of the skin is like mm-hmm. whatever is your truest truth is going to be the rule you encounter over and over again in your life. That is the magic of the universe. Like it's just it it's going to be the thing that you come up against over and over again because you're strengthening that knowing, that inner knowing. It might have been already something you named, but like what is that for you in your experience? Mm-hmm. That thing you keep bumping mm-hmm. up against. I think it's it's allowing myself to be someone 
that loves change, that loves to shed a skin, to grow, to expand, like you were saying, right? Like that, that will be continually probably one of the greatest teachers in my life is, mm-hmm. is accepting that part of me and not seeing it as bad or wrong because it's the opposite of how so many people live their lives, you know, and what yeah. we as a society deem as like quote unquote normal or good. But yeah, it's, it's that acceptance of like, it's a kind of meta because it's the acceptance of that. I will always be someone that is questioning rules, you know, always being someone that is looking towards that growth and expansion. Yeah. And you know, my response to that is we need you. We need (laughs) people like you. I'll put myself in that category. People like me Uh, that are breaking the rules and can live in that way to show other people that they can break their own rules too in order to live more in alignment because we have to be able to see people doing that, right? Because if we're not seeing anyone expanding beyond some of their programming and conditioning, like how do we know that we can have that or that we can live more expanded lives? So we need you to do that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um. (laughs) I want to put a caveat when I was saying, you know, like you can, you can break rules, you can do whatever you want. Don't hurt people. Like I think disappointing people, right? Like disappointing people is something we can look at, but harming people, don't do that. <laughs> I That's love that little caveat. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious here at the end, I would love to ask this question. What advice do you have for someone who is wanting to be a sacred rule breaker? Is there any advice just quickly you would have for them? I'm trying to think of one little piece that might be really helpful. This comes from a place of privilege too, but that oftentimes we imagine risks much bigger than they are. And I want to name that because I realized that that comes with a great sense of privilege, right? There are real financial risks. There are real, you know, safety nets that exist for some people and not others. And so we have to name that and know that. And I also really encourage you to look at what you imagine these risks to be and do they have roots? You know, the answer might might be yes in some situations like that, mm-hmm. right? And that requires more support than before we can break that rule. Mm-hmm. And in other times, those risks are really imagined, you know, and there is some sort of safety net there that we don't maybe don't see. Yeah, I just want to name that. I hope that's helpful. Thank you for speaking into that. Yeah. One final question. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was going to, or maybe I told you months ago, I was going to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. We, we know you're a sacred rebel. We know this. What is your current sacred rebellion? Okay. I love that. Yes. My current <laughs> sacred rebellion, and this is going to be like opposite of everything that I just said, is okay. that, <laughs> is that like, that we can be content and that there is beauty in the mundane. And I think that right now in this state of everyone has the answer, everyone has the golden ticket, right? Like right. that is a rebellion. And I I know you're, you might be listening to this and being like, what? You just said totally the opposite. But um, what I mean by that is that even on these searches of um, self and expansion and all of that, there are still these really beautiful mundane moments. Like 
walking yeah. the dog or, um, you know, talking with a friend and let yourself be in the present. I think right now that is a rebellion. So mm-hmm. that's my answer. Mm, I love it. Thank you for sharing. If yeah. someone is looking to connect with you, where can they find you? Yes. So you can go to my website. It's amygartenberg.com or my, I'm on Instagram at amygartenberg. And right now I do have a few coaching spots open. So I'm taking on coaching clients at this time. And I also, um, mid-July, I'm starting a group for creatives where we're looking at breaking through creative blocks, creating more healing that inner creative and building some community as well. So I invite anyone that feels lit up by that to reach out to me and we'd love to have you. I love that. Can they get more information about that program via your website? It's all on my website. You can see it there. It's also, I think I have something on Instagram too. So you can see it both places. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your heart. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. I loved it. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Be The Scandal. If you like what you heard, don't forget to click subscribe so that you can join in on the sacred rebellion of being your most authentic self.